What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here in the house, your host with the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It is episode 39. This show is all about you all. You can call in at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. I know there hasn't really been some major big Apple news, but I want you to call in. We're working on a futures, kind of like what we expect to see from Apple. So I'd love to hear from you all. What do you think, like products in the future? And I don't want to just hear like a, a tiny, like, oh, bezel-less design. I want you to think big. I want you to think crazy, but within reason. Leave your name, number, where you're from, or if you just want to talk about what's happening around Apple, we'd love that too. But 833-888-2295, you know where to go. All right, let's jump in the show. There's actually some semi-significant news this week. What happened is Apple rarely comes out and addresses the media or wants to make a story. And typically when they do that is because things aren't going so well. Now, if you remember at Apple's recent earnings report, they basically said that they would no longer detail unit sales of its iPhones and other devices. And investors didn't like that. In fact, they had already reported that they didn't sell as many iPhones as all the analysts expected in the quarter that ended in September 29th. So they projected then lackluster revenue results for the December quarter, which uh, will be reported in the near future. But again, they didn't want to detail the unit sales of its iPhone. So guess what happened? This past week, amongst rumors that Apple was slowing down production of the iPhones, that sales were less than impressive across multiple analyst firms and investment banks, Apple came out with Vice President Greg Joswiak and talked to Shara Timken and said, the iPhone XR has been its top-selling iPhone since launch. Now remember, they said they weren't going to even detail unit sales, and fine, they're not detailing unit sales. But the fact that they had to come out and Joswiak said, it's been our most popular iPhone each and every day since the day it became available. All I'm saying is this is really supposed to be a quiet time of the season for Apple. And they came out and they had to address this because the Wall Street Journal reported that Apple themselves had cut production orders in recent weeks for all three of the 2018 models. Now, I'll tell you, I've tested out, I've used the iPhones. I'm still using an iPhone 10. There I know the iPhone 10s camera is better. It's slightly better. But and me being someone who's supposed to always get the newest phone, I'm literally 100% completely comfortable with still having the iPhone 10 versus needing to jump up to the 10s or the 10s Max. Now, if you don't have an iPhone 10 and you have an earlier iPhone, yeah, I get it. You're going to make the upgrade. But it was really interesting that Apple had to come out to kind of reshape the story. Apple's stock has suffered significantly since they made the announcement that they were no longer going to report specific details in their quarterly earnings. According to reports, it, not according to reports, it's tumbled 20% since that announcement. That also means that Apple's no longer worth more than a trillion dollars. That was kind of a big benchmark that they had hit, and everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. It's also Microsoft itself has been over the past week. I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but they've been going back and forth now, and Microsoft has actually come up on top of Apple 
to become the world's biggest publicly traded company with this back and forth because Apple stock has dropped so much over this the past few months. And then you think about, okay, well, what is Apple doing and what is Microsoft doing? Strategically, these companies are completely opposite. Apple is heavily reliant not only on their products, really on their phones. It still makes up over two-thirds of their revenue and profits. And we've seen how Apple has continued to pound. Tim Cook himself has said, hey, we need to grow our services business, our cloud business, our iTunes, uh, our Apple Music business, and more. And they, again, remember years ago, like five years ago when we were talking about building a TV service and then they fell short because of their gravitas and not wanting to work with the content providers and they have been missing out on a revenue stream from that. They are working on their own, whatever they call it, Apple TV, video, on-demand, exclusive content service that will help, but they've lost a real big opportunity over the past three or four years because they didn't want to jump on that. And Apple is now talking about services, 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 cloud services. Well, guess who just surpassed them and who their number one priority has been the cloud? Microsoft. And these, again, are two different companies, but it just shows how there is a ebb and flow of how the market works, right? Microsoft was in the dumps, but they decided to basically build on their strengths. We remember Microsoft had their phone business. They scrapped that smartly. They scrapped it. Do you, could you imagine how many hundreds of millions, maybe billion plus dollars they had thrown into really trying to make the Windows mobile phone work? Well, guess what? They saw what was happening. They bowed out. But their cloud business is what they bet big on. Satya Nadella, when he came in there, he's the one that really transformed their priorities. It may not be the sexiest thing. It may not be the sexiest thing in consumer products, but the cloud is where they're at. They run second place to Amazon. Amazon's web services has been huge. That makes up roughly around 33% of the market share for cloud services. But Microsoft is a strong number two at 13%. Microsoft has their office apps in the cloud, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. So they are all about the cloud. They ditched their losing bets and it's been working for them. So I'm not saying Apple's in trouble. They're still a multi-billion dollar business. But when iPhone sales are, are declining and we've seen this and the phones are less and less compelling right now, honestly, they're still great. I have an iPhone. I'm not gonna get rid of it. But you can see why Apple has dipped and dropped and how it doesn't feel like there's much momentum. And again, during the holiday season, Apple doesn't come out to say this stuff. They really don't. Historically, they just don't do this. So instantly when I saw that, I'm like, oh, Apple's talking to news outlets about the 10R is the is the you know is selling the most day to day over all our iPhones. That still doesn't answer the question. And jo- Greg Joswiak didn't answer the question: Are iPhone sales down? Of course, he's not going to tell us. If they were up and doing great, he would have said something, but he didn't say that. All right, cool story. Google Project Fi. This is their cellular service that has been out for a while, but it's really only been out on very very limited devices. It's arguably been one of you know the best deals when you talk about an actual phone carrier in the U.S. 
Well, they are now going beyond their Nexus and Pixel phones and really just kind of a few third-party Android phones and will now begin accepting new recent Android phones and the iPhone. iPhones running iOS 11 and later. And this is this is a new thing. This is not common. Now, to describe really what Google Fi is for those of you that don't know and might honestly be interested, it's not their own carrier network. Instead, what they're pretty much doing is they're piggybacking on networks like T-Mobile, Sprint, and US Cellular. And why this can be advantageous, depending on the area you live in, is that it hands off your phone to whichever one of those services give you the strongest connection at any time. So it's what we call the MVNOs, Mobile Virtual Network Operators. We've seen this for a while. So they're not an actual carrier. They're just partnering and piggybacking off of them. Now, the biggest thing here is that Google Fi in the past has given one of the best kind of plans that you could have. It's unlimited calls and texting for $20 per month. Data costs $10 per gig, um, up to six gigs. Now, that's likely for most people the most you'll pay because, yeah, most of us use Wi-Fi anytime. Um, They will start throttling you at 15 gigs. But what's interesting about this is you only pay for the data you use. So let's say you only use three gigs of data. You're going to get some money back because that that cash or that side piggy bank of six gigs is what you pay for. You could get money back. So it's a very straightforward way of dealing with contracts. Again, yes, if you're locked into AT&T or Verizon or, or whatnot, it's easier just to stay with them. I have not, for the record, gone over to Google Fi. So this might be an option that you like, but there are also caveats. So in you read this and you're like, oh man, I'm going to jump on Google Fi. Well, there are some catches, right? iOS compatibility is still technically in beta, according to reports, so you might not get the best experience, but this is also what you lose if you jump on Google Fi. You lose features like visual voicemail. Um, You lose calls and text messages over Wi-Fi specifically. The automated spam detection, that's gone. International tethering, that's gone. So what am I really saying? You really got to figure out if this works in your area before you do it. It's still early, but it is pretty cool that Google Fi is an option. I'm not expecting all you to jump ship, but it's just something that you should consider and think about because those cellular plans, they, they, they're getting up there. They're not cheap. And also just a reminder, just for all of you, I took advantage of this right when it happened. Apple's $29 iPhone battery replacement program ends December 31st. Remember this whole battery gate issue? Basically, Apple had to apologize and then offered a reduced iPhone battery replacement program. Um, If you do still need to do that and you've been lazy because I know a lot of you are, some of you are like, I don't care. I'm just gonna sell my iPhone on eBay and that next person's gonna have to deal with it. That's fine. But the offer for a $29 battery replacement runs out at the end of 2018. And this covered models from like the iPhone 6 to the 6S. And I believe the 7 was part of that. But either way, the reduced battery program has been running, but it ends on December the 31st of 2018. After that, replacing any iPhone battery will cost you $49 for the iPhone 8 and older and then $69 for the 10, 10S, 10R, and 20, but $29 right now 
typically it was like the six and success and some of the seven phones that had the issue. You can also, if you want to just check the general state of your battery, remember with the new iOS 12 um, in your settings, you can choose battery, then battery health, and it'll just tell you a report to say where your battery is at versus the maximum capacity of it. Uh, I don't know if this is a good thing, but mine's at 90%. I've had it for a year. I guess that's normal is what it degrades around supposedly roughly what 5% ish per year. If if I recall right, that was kind of like roughly the number. So, okay, I'm somewhere around there. And then it'll also tell you if your battery is capable of working at its peak performance. If not, you should probably swap out your battery. I'm just looking out for you. In Apple Watch News, watchOS 5.1.2, according to reports, will enable the ECG app on the Apple Watch Series 4. This is where you can get a heart reading. It can also um, check out if you have an irregular heart rhythm and warn you about this. This is according to internal Apple Store training documents that Mac Rumors obtained. Now, 5.1.2 is currently in beta, but it will feature the Apple-designed ECG app that will tell you if your heart rhythm shows signs of atrial fibrillation or other serious irregular heart rhythms um, or a normal rhythm, which is probably a good thing. The other kind of nugget that I thought was interesting on here is that a separate app document also suggests that notifications will be enabled in Watch OS 5.1.2 on Apple Watch Series 1 through Apple Watch Series 4 models for an irregular heart rhythm. So you would get a notification. You're not going to get the ECG app, but you'll at least get some sort of irregular heart rhythm notification um, that will be enabled on Watch OS 5.1.2. Previous generation Apple Watch models, including the Series 3 and earlier, will not have the app. All right, let's just take a little quick breather to thank all of you who continue to support this show at patreon.com slash Tong. I'm doing this independent. This is really the only reason why I'm still able to kind of do this. I've got my YouTube channel with all my videos that have been coming out and also the amazing support from all of you Apple Bitsers, AB Nation. I got nothing but love for you. So thank you so much. You can sponsor the show starting at... As of December 1st, $2 a month. Or if you feel like I'm giving you value, a cup of coffee, $5 a month. We put out a minimum of four shows, one show every week. And sometimes I throw some bonus stuff in there. And so Patreon, you can support me at different levels, 5 10 25 or the Platinum $100 level. And uh, continue to keep on growing this and continue to keep on doing this. I just thank you so much. We are six months, seven months in. We still haven't hit that goal Uh, that I want to hit to make this a guaranteed podcast for the eternity of time, but we're getting there. And uh, thanks again, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, we have a few quick stories to get through before we get to our calls and everything like that. But again, call the show, 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. Love to hear from you. You really add a lot of texture to the show, and, and it makes it fun for me. And you also can kind of teach us and the listeners something as well. Let's uh, keep rolling through the stories. Apple has raised $200 million through their Project Red sales to help fight AIDS. I don't know. I mean, come on. You got to celebrate that. Now, since its founding in 2006, this is with uh, Bono and Bobby Shriver, 
the actual organization has raised more than $600 million to support the Global Fund, which is doing its part to put an end to AIDS in Africa. But check this out. $200 million of that has come from Apple through sales of its product, Red merchandise products, everything from, I think, back to the, I believe it was the iPod Classic. I mean, there was the U2 edition, but I believe iPods started it. I mean, iPods technically, other than the touch, don't really exist anymore. But that's amazing, $200 million giving back in uh, really great news ahead of World's AIDS Day and all of the efforts that Apple has done. You can't do anything but just celebrate and give props to that. Also, in Apple News, they posted this in their machine learning journal. Believe it or not, if you go to machinelearning.apple.com, they have kind of a blog post there. And you know how hard I have been on Siri, and I think it's completely valid. And I know people are working their butts off that are way smarter than myself. And I still believe, and I hope they're blowing up Siri right now. But Apple had posted that they will be in Montreal, Canada this December, attending the 32nd Conference on Neural Information Processing Systems, NeurIPS, right? This is a conference there. They're going to have their own booth staffed with machine learning experts. You know they're going to be there because they need to learn as well, but also they're looking to acquire talent to help them as well. And I'm sure I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure people in the machine learning space are probably getting paid pretty well. Just a thought. Also, Apple is launching an app development program for female entrepreneurs and app developers. They announced the launch of their new entrepreneur camp this week, which is meant to really create new opportunities for app-driven businesses that are owned or led by women. We always hear about how, right, The tech space is really a boys club. And to me, it's doing things like this in a more broad sense that is going to, again, make that market or that interest by people of all genders and ethnicities. You just got to make this stuff accessible. So to be eligible for this program, which is now accepting applications, the business must be female founded or co-founded or led and have at least one woman on the development team with a working app or prototype that is required as is a, what they say, a desire to leverage Apple technologies to benefit their mission. But this is the Apple Entrepreneur Camp for organizations founded and led by women. You can obviously go check out their site to find out more. And then I earlier asked you guys and gals about, you know, let's hear what you want from the future from Apple. Well, this is a fun story, right? Back in 1993, AT&T threw out a bunch of predictions. Really, it, it was an ad campaign called You Will that was kind of looking at what they felt was going to be technology in the future 25 years later. Well, we are there. They predicted things like the Apple Watch. They predicted ebooks, GPS navigation, and on-demand video streaming. Again, this is 1993, so they're looking way down the line. They got a lot of things right. And yeah, this is this is based on trends and what's going to happen. But 25 years ago, right? they even said, hey, you're going to be able to make and receive phone calls from your watch. And if you watch Dick Tracy, you're like, yo, Dick Tracy said that a long time ago. We aren't even at video conferencing on our watch yet. That's what I'm waiting for. Apple, series, Apple Watch Series 5, get me there, all right? I've been wanting it for a while, but I gave up on that dream for now. I, I get it. You know, it'll come eventually. 
But AT&T now wanted to put out a new list of what it thinks or what it knows we can expect over the new next 25 years. And I'm going to run this by my friend Nostratongus. Well, yes, yes. And uh, we will see what he thinks. All right. So we talked about like some of the things that they got right. Let's talk about some of the things what they are predicting. Their futurist and technolog- technology philosopher, Garrett Gray Scott, predicted wearable clothes will be smart enough to detect if your heart has stopped and also your clothes can be used to hail a drone to deliver a defibrillator. Okay, the drone part sounds a little crazy. I do see the... I mean, we're already getting into smart clothing already, okay? And it's just integrating something on the wrist of the watch or the wrist area too. But yeah, a drone delivering a defibrillator, that's kind of cray-cray. But 25 years from now, maybe not so crazy. 25 years is a long time. Other predictions from AT&T's labs, the smart home and robot predictions, kind of on the cautious side because we kind of already have robots here. They envision more sophisticated robots that can help senior citizens or children with autism. Also, they talked about the smart home really being able to change conditions after you leave your house, which is already kind of there when we talk about lighting and temperature. So... Yeah, I think we're already kind of there. Another cool thing, which I do like the idea of, is a screen that's an ever-changing painting. So something, yeah, sure, we have our TVs, but digital wall posters from 43 to 65 inches. I could, yeah, guess what? Do we need that right now? No. But if you've seen some of those light wall things, like a Nano Leaf is already starting to do like consumer and business wall light displays and panels that are interactive. I could see us in 25 years again, the point where you want to see something cool and new and different. It's like the digital photo frame, but really it's a digital poster. Okay, 25 years, I could see that. And then the other idea, nothing too big surprises here, that no one, no one will own a car in 25 years and we'll just summon autonomous cars when we need one. Do, do you think in 25 years that no one will own a car. I I think there will be a point where many of us will not need to own one, but 25 years, no one will own a car? Maybe, maybe 35, 30, 35? I don't, that's, I guess, I don't know. That one kind of is the one where I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So anyways, these are some of those fun future predictions that they threw out there. I want to know what you want to see in the future. It can be Apple-related, maybe not Apple-related, realistic, and also crazy, 833-888-ABXL. It's 833-888-2295. All right, let's get to our calls. We've got two here. I haven't really asked for calls because we had an interview last week and the week before. I don't. I think I might have forgot, but get the calls coming in because I love it when you all do that, okay? Here we go. This one's coming to us from Justin. Hey, Brian, uh, Justin from Minneapolis, Colin, and uh, just got a couple, uh, um, one of your opinion on a few things. Uh, first, you've talked a lot about the iPad Pro and, you know, how it's a you know, great piece of hardware, and I would agree, um, but they haven't really taken it to the computer level, even though they're calling it that. Um, I know you mentioned in, I think, your review online uh, of it, you know, possibly down the road, a hybrid of iOS and macOS. 
I guess whatever they do with it from a software perspective that goes outside of iOS, do you think that they will allow, because the hardware is so powerful, allow users like us that have that newer 12.9 to upgrade to it, or will they make the software compatible to upgrade with that hardware? Um, I would sure hope so, um, given, you know, how much they're, they're pushing it as a computer, to your point. And the second thing I wanted to uh, get your uh, uh, opinion on and ha have you comment is uh, Apple now is down about 20% uh, year over year. And a lot of people like the you know business folks are saying, you know, they're already kind of in a in bear territory and just wanted to, you to comment uh, on, uh, you know, their drop in the market and what you think of that. So anyway, uh, thanks so much and uh, love the show and everything you do. All right. A lot of stuff there, Justin. Thanks so much for calling, buddy. Uh, first of all, I do not own any Apple stock. I have not uh, because once I started working for that other company, I was not allowed to report and own stock from the same company. It's a kind of an ethical thing <laughs> where, hey, I'm telling people, go buy Apple stuff and I have Apple stock. And yeah, so my my opinions aren't connected to that in any way, shape, or form. And I still to this day do not own any Apple stock. I did very small amounts when I was uh, working in retail way back in the day for Apple. But um, yeah, no, I don't have any. So this doesn't dictate how what I think about this. From Apple's standpoint, you know, the iPhone is their bread and butter. So when iPhone sales go down and when Apple doesn't want to talk about the actual numbers, their stock is going to drop. Also, all indications say that the new current batch of iPhones isn't nearly as popular. And Look, I'm a guy who normally upgrades all the time, and I'm not upgrading from an iPhone 10 to a 10s. Even if I'm a tech blogger, and everyone's like, you know, a lot of them they get the phones from Apple or whatnot. They're like, yeah, this is a new hot phone. It is, but I'm trying to come from it from a perspective of someone who is spending their own cold hard cash on this. And is it really? Do I really, really need it? There's only been a couple times where I really didn't feel like I needed a new iPhone. One was from the five to the five S, and this is another one of those times. The ten to the ten S is not that big of a deal. So it's up to Apple to figure out what is it that need that they need to do. Is it going beyond hardware and really focusing on an inventive? Gotta have cloud service because building software and cloud services is not nearly as intensive as rolling out factories and parts and making a physical product. So I think that's where we're going to have to see Apple evolve and ultimately also come out with a product that everyone says, I have to have this. I know that there are certain products like that, that I, the Apple Watch Series 4, I had to have it. Um, and everyone that asks me about the Apple Watch, I always say, this is absolutely the watch to get if you're in the Apple ecosystem. They need more products like that. The iPad Pro, I love, but it's not a product that I tell people, you absolutely have to get it because you don't. And tablet sales for Apple are slowly creeping up, but in general, tablet sales across the entire industry are flat or declined. It's not like we're seeing a big uptick there. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but Plenty of people would be more than envious to be in Apple's position. Uh, if we want to talk about the hybrid OS, if Apple decides to do that, I'm going to put, you know, I've always said and joking, like, look, in five years, they're going to have a hybrid OS. At one point in time, they will. I don't think it's anytime soon. Tim Cook is stubborn as sure to tell you that they're not going to do it anytime soon. 
But historically, when you say, hey, would they allow us to download the hybrid OS and put it on the current iPad Pros? Um, My hunch, knowing what Apple has done their entire history, is no. Typically, they say buy the new hardware, get the new feature. And I'm going to, until they show me otherwise, I'm going to stick with their way of thinking and say, yeah, new software only on new hardware. They, they really don't go backwards. Yes, they support new iOS for phones from two years ago, but they don't say, hey, here's a new snazzy feature. Um, we're going to give it to you. group FaceTime. You can't go back like three or four iPhones to get it. You can't. So we'll see. And if I'm wrong there and everyone's going to be like dropping all these features that they did, something as huge as a hybrid OS is different than a single feature to me. All right. Let's go hear from Matt who's calling in. Hey, this is Matt from Hopkins, Minnesota. Uh, been listening to you for a long time, so happy to hear you back on the uh, virtual airwaves. Um wanted to let you know I was in the local store lately. Um, saw the uh, HomePod. It was an open box return for $239, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. I do not have a HomePod yet, and I don't plan on getting one until they make some huge improvements to that thing. Um, what's the point in having a half-functional smart speaker? I don't see it, even for such a steep discount. I mean, $239? Just couldn't do it. Hey, keep going on. Love listening to you. Thanks. Hey, Matt, thanks for calling. Matt called a little while back, and I just kind of sat on his call, but I think it's relevant right now because we had Black Friday sales. They're done now that offered the HomePod at 249 instead of 349. I even talked about it in last week's in a two shows before, ago. I'm curious if you guys and gals jumped on that or not. I'm really curious specifically with the HomePod because that is one of those products where the Apple loyalists and hardcores like me have been resistant to it. I did buy one because I have to review it and I want to see how it evolves over time. Maybe something happens that makes it special. I can't not have one when that happens, right? But did any of you go out and get a HomePod and just say, I'm going to give it a shot even at 249 from this recent Black sales, uh, Black Friday sales and Cyber Mondays? I'm curious. I'm actually curious what type of stuff you guys and gals might, may have even gotten that you would not have purchased unless there's a Black Friday sale on it for Apple Gear. So you guys have plenty of things that you can call me about and talk to me about uh, on the Apple Bits XL. All right. Before we go, we got to show love to our Patreon Platinum Apple supporters. That is the $100 level support from Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Freighter, and Jarrett Lewis. Thank you so much, fellas. And also, uh, thank you to your significant others who probably had to sign off on that contribution. Yeah, I know how it is. And also, if you guys and gals who are listening can support the show by telling a friend, uh, five-starring it on iTunes. I think we're up to like over 600. Here, let me check this here. 645-star reviews. Uh, That's all because of you. 
So thank you so much again for your continued support and listening. The news gets a little slower during the holidays, but we will keep on bringing it and giving you as much of the good stuff as we can. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much. Call in 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.